0: Hello, church. Greetings again. Welcome to another online worship service. This weekend service is special for two reasons. One, to my left, to my right, these young ladies have a birthday simultaneously today. Let us celebrate Erica and Lindsay and their birthdays second this is our first time ever taping uh with some of the church here we've opened up thursday nights uh for attendance if you want to come and hang out with us and watch us make our mistakes and then start over again uh it's a great time to do that uh so it's a really special night you know for the last few weeks i've been praying like lord would you just help with the reopening and then all the coronavirus numbers are going up and it looks like things are going to be closing down so who knows what's happening next but if anything i am learning in this season i am not in control Not a one of us is in control. God has been teaching me to just let go, let go of what I think should happen, what I want to happen. It's in His time. He is in control. We're going to sing a song that reflects that now. Would you stand to your feet wherever you are, here in the room, in your homes, walking down the street, wherever you are, sing out a song of praise. Our God is faithful, our God is in charge. Let's sing it now. turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None
1: like you. Into the darkness you shine.
2: Church family, it is so good to see you. Josh here. I have a couple of announcements for you. Uh, first of all, super excited. Student Ministries, we are back and running. We've had a couple of weeks all together, which has been great. And I wanted to give you an update on summer camp. So Hume Lake, we all know, is canceled for the year. We all cried a little bit, but we are hopefully moving on. Uh, currently, Chris and I have reserved the Salvation Army Camp in Malibu for the weekend of August 7th through the 9th, and we are desperately hoping that camp is able to happen. Currently, Salvation Army is not allowed to have people on campus, but I talked to their director last night, and he is hopeful that we should be able to come, so mark your calendars. We will get more information out to you on that. We're super hopeful that we can do camp this summer. Then, two weeks later, after August 7th through 9th, Men's Ministry uh, is planning on having their retreat at the same spot, so they've got the following weekend um, of August 21st and 22nd reserved. So mark your calendars for that. Again, super hopeful that we're going to be able to have the men's retreat as well couple other things. We are in need of some volunteers. Um, with all of just kind of the corona craziness, there are extra tech needs um, here, and we're just in need of some help. So a couple ways that you can help are running the camera, running pro presenter, or helping with sound. You don't need any prior experience. Just need to be a willing body, willing to come in and learn a sweet new skill. We would be so grateful if there's anybody out there that would be interested in doing that. Finally, just wanted to remind you of the ways that you can give, you can do that online or you can mail a check in. Uh, You can also do that on the app. Why don't you guys go ahead and check out this sweet video that we made to our graduates.
3: Hello, ABF family. We just wanted to take a moment to honor all our 2020 graduates. And I wanna give a shout out to our fifth graders. You have done such a great job in this crazy season. And now you are moving on to middle school. Well, hey, you have been with me for so many years. You've been rooted and established in God's truth. And I just pray that as you move into middle school, you will stand firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. We love you and you. congratulations hey well congratulations my new freshman I can't believe you guys have already finished middle school it's been an honor and a privilege being with you uh, for three years and I know the last couple months hasn't been perfect or great but you guys have handled it and I'm so so proud of you and I just want to remind you of this verse that I've been praying for you guys it's in Romans 12 2 it says this Paul says this do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm gonna be continuing praying for you this summer as you're going into high school. I know you guys are gonna have a blast and I'll come up and visit
0: you. Take care, congratulations.
2: What's up my seniors, you guys did it! Oh my goodness, so proud of you guys. Hey, it has been an insane year, right? Like just even thinking back uh, to first semester even, uh, how crazy it's been and then second semester, uh, I just want you guys to know how much I love you how much I care about you and it's sweet because we get to celebrate you a ton this summer super excited uh, to, to get to hear your guys' testimonies so excited to go on senior retreat and uh, man I just love you I would say I'm gonna miss you but I'm not because our relationship gets to continue uh, moving forward so proud of you excited to see what the Lord does in your lives and uh, I just want to pray for you guys um, let's pray dear father um, Lord, I just thank you so much for the privilege of being the high school pastor to these seniors. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd go before them. pray that you'd direct them. Um, Lord, uh, as I said, I'm so excited to see what you're going to do in their hearts and in their lives. Uh, I pray that they would seek you with everything. and I pray that you would just, um, yeah, have your way in their hearts, that you'd direct them where you want them to be and where you want them to go. Uh, we love you, Lord. And we give you this next chapter of their lives. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Congrats, grads. We'll see you soon.
3: Uh, so fun and exciting for our graduates and just want to celebrate with them. Thank you, uh, student ministry team, just for that uh, Just prayerful send-off. We're grateful for that. And uh, excited to be back uh, together. Having some people in the room here this evening brings me a great joy. And uh, through this experience of uh, COVID, this last however many months we're into, one of the things I've noticed, a kind of a, a pattern, maybe some people that you didn't spend as much time with before this, you end up spending more time with them during this season. And I don't know if you've had this experience like I have, where there's somebody that you knew fairly well and you liked them, but after you spend a bunch of time with them, you're like, Man, I really like that, por- that person a lot. I, I had that experience uh, with my chiropractor this last year, or actually this last spring, where he moved into the neighborhood just a few blocks down the street from us in uh, Thousand Oaks, and uh, during COVID, we had a couple opportunities just to work out in uh, in our uh, garage a little bit, uh, doing some weightlifting there, and then had a a bunch of opportunities to go mountain biking. And I was just telling Adrian the other day just about David Deal. I'm like, man, I just really like that guy. The more time I spend with him, the more I like him. Just a just a sharp guy, loves the Lord, has a has a great heart. He even heard that I didn't have a a, a bike helmet that fit my big melon, so he ordered me a larger one, which I don't know. That goes a long way. And uh, I don't know, for me, when I was thinking about this passage and this story of the Exodus, I really uh, think about that same idea that we on a larger scale, the more we get to know God, the more he's revealed to us, the more we should grow to love him. The more we get to know about his character, about his personality, the more we're drawn to him. And my hope is in this study in Exodus, that's what happens. So I was diving in this week, I was looking and I was like, man, there's so many cool characteristics of God that are on full display because of this. Up until now, I mean, it's been 450 years that that they've been in in, uh, Egypt and they've been in slavery and they knew of God, but they didn't necessarily know him personally. Well, now the veil has come off and he's revealing himself And so in this week's section of scripture, I'm going to do things a little bit different. It's going to be less of of main points and more things I just notice and appreciate about our God. Hopefully it'll be a blessing to you as we study this section of scripture. Let me pray as we dive in. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to be together and literally to be together physically, some of us in the room, but then for many who are still watching this from their homes or computer screens, God, we just ask that you'd be present and moving and working in a way that only happens when we open your word. You say that it's living and active and sharp as a two-edged sword. I just pray that it would actually do the work that it was meant to do. And in this, we would come to know you better. As we explore this section of scripture, we invite that now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles or a phone or whatever means, I'd love to have you follow along with me. We're in Exodus chapter 12 here today and uh, just working our way through chapter 13. But starting here in the first verses uh, that we're looking at is in chapter 12, verse 33. And if you remember last week, this is coming right after God laying a a heavy hand of authority on the Egyptians. It says in verse 33, the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done As Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians kind of a a strange little section of scripture here. You remember God in last week's account had given them warning after warning, 10 in fact, demonstrations of his power that he was trying to push them to finally set the Israelite slaves free. After the 10th and final plague, you remember the taking of the firstborn, they finally submit to God. We're told here that they're urgent to release them. We says that they we shall all be dead. They've developed a, a appropriate fear and reverence for the God of the Israelites and so they're wanting as quickly as possible to send them on their way. Something strange happens in these couple of verses. I don't know if you caught that or not. Basically what happens is the Israelites on their way out of leaving the, all of these years of slavery God directs them through Moses to ask them for gold and silver and clothing as like parting gifts. Now, upon first review, I was like, why in the world would these people, after all that had happened to Egypt in the last however many days because of the plagues, be interested in giving stuff to the Israelites? It's interesting though, if you didn't catch that, it says, the Lord had given the people favor. In the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. This is a cool picture because through this whole story, I've tried to point out how God is active behind the scenes and literally moving in people's heart to act the way He intends them to respond to a situation. In this, we see God is moving by giving them favor in the eyes of the people of Egypt. Favor is an interesting thing. When you have it, much can be accomplished. If you don't have it, it's like running into a wall and God chooses when to give it and not to give it. I love though that we have a God that has that at his disposal. The dictionary describes favor as the state of being approved or held in high regard. So here, now the the the, ter- the tables have turned these people that were once considered slaves are now seen with favor. If you do a study on favor through scripture, you start to see the the pattern of just consistently God working in people's hearts and minds to give them favor towards a particular person. It's talked about with Joseph. It's talked about with Moses, with Job, with David, with Esther, with Ruth, with Samuel, with Daniel, and with Jesus. And then with the start of the new church, even the early church, it's referred to them having favor with the people. Basically, this is a healthy prayer as we're coming before God to bring to them. I think it's an awesome thing because the cool thing about favor is there's nothing that you can take on yourself. It's not something that you've done. It's something, a wonderful way to point favor or to point glory to God for that. To honor him because of what he's done in your life. So whether you're going into a job interview, whether you're trying to mediate some family drama, whether it's a evangelistic effort, maybe students, whether it's with a new teacher, it's an appropriate prayer to pray. I remember Adrian and I moving here from Chicago. That was one of our big prayers. God, give us favor in this community. And we have a God that has unlimited favor at his disposal. I love this about him. That was my first of five observations. To continue in the story, basically, immediately after the release of the uh, of the Israelites, God institutes a few new things in this newly established nation. One of the things that he establishes in chapter 12, verse 43, all the way through thirteen sixteen, he wants them to celebrate some different things. He wants them to celebrate the Passover. He wants them to consecrate their firstborn. He wants to institute the feast of unleavened bread. There's so much that I could say about each of those three things. In fact, I was really wrestling this week. I'm like, do I just take a total tangent and spend the next hour talking about those things? Basically, here's the summary, if you will. All three of those things, the big idea is that they were mechanisms for remembrance. Again, mechanisms for remembrance. They were ways for the people to remember what God had done in their lives the way that he had provided, the way that he had rescued them. Why was that necessary? Think about that. The very first thing our God does is he establishes times to remember him. Why does he do that? Because he knows the heart of man. We're prone to forget his rescue and provision. We're prone to worry. We're prone to have our attention misdirected. I don't know if you're like me in this, in these last couple of months, I've felt a tug all kinds of directions, prone to wander, prone to to worry, prone to uh, play things out, scenarios out that, that haven't actually happened. There's so much of that, so many distractions. God brings us back to these mechanisms for remembrance. As a staff, we took some time earlier in the week to, uh, to carve out, to watch a couple of uh, sermon videos. We normally go to a couple different conferences in the year and both of the ones that we go to were canceled, but we were watching a, a video with Andy Stanley. I don't know if you're familiar with that past, pastor, but he is a wonderful communicator. And he was talking about the priority of, of getting our hearts and our lives centered back on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, seeking those things first. He talked about in the conversation on the, the sermon there, he talked about having a recentering routine. I like that expression a recentering routine. Basically, having something in your day that brings you back to having him at the center. I don't know what that looks like for you. Some of the things under the new covenant that we have that are recentering devices, you have communion, you have baptism, that get our eyes back on Jesus Christ. But he was bringing up, how about on a daily basis? What are some things that you can institute to put in place that gets you off of social media? that gets you to stop thinking about whatever the government government saying today or whatever slander is happening or whatever is going on? What gets you back and centered? Maybe it's a morning prayer walk. Maybe it's just simply consistent time in God's word. Maybe it's, it's actually listening to a sermon online. Maybe it's a designated time of worship. Maybe it's a good conversation with a, a friend, a trusted friend that loves and serves the Lord. I don't know what it is for you. Andy Stanley brought up one of the routines that he has that centers himself back on on Christ is starting each day with the Lord's prayer, just talking that out in the morning, walking through that personally. I like that our God, I love that our God recognizes our tendency to go this direction. He tries to put in place recentering ideas, plans for our life. Verse, or chapter 13, verse 17, we continue in the story. So after establishing these routines, we see how God then leads them to move. It says in verse 17 of chapter 13, it says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God let the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. We'll pause there for a moment. Basically, if Moses would have had the Ways app or any kind of map of sorts, he would have seen that the fastest route to the promised land would have been going north through Gaza. It would have skipped any kind of water. Instead, we're told that, he, that God takes them directly the wrong direction, basically. Basically takes them on a route, skipping the Philistine territory. God explains why that is. But he leads them in the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Basically, the kind way of saying this is this was the scenic route. That's maybe the, probably not what any of the Israelites would have described it as, but that's basically the case. He said, I'm going to take you on a little detour before we get to the promised land. A couple of years back, my wife and I, uh, we were planning a, a trip to see her family up in Vancouver, And uh, we had mapped out this trip and we were gonna make it just the scenic version. We took the, the longer way to get there. We had a couple different stops on the way. We had a crater lake. We had San Francisco, all these plans to get there. But we didn't realize that our kids didn't have the maturity to enjoy all those things. All they wanted to do was just get from point A to point B instead of actually slowing down and absorbing all the beauty that God had around the way, all that he had surrounded them with on the way. He had a specific, God has a specific plan in this. He doesn't always go and operate on our timeline. He wants us to learn to trust and worship him. Think about that for a moment. We're all about getting things done as, as quickly as you can. We're all obsessed with time-saving devices and any way we can cut a corner, but that's not how our God operates. We're so committed to getting tasks done we forget about who we're becoming. God has a different plan. God has, isn't about efficiency. He's about more about who we're becoming rather than necessarily where we're going. I like Isaiah 55, 8, where you need to understand what Isaiah concluded. His ways are not our ways. So we can either respond to it in frustration. I picture my kids at certain times in that trip just sitting in the back seat with arms crossed and frustrated about the, the long route and how long we were staying at different stops. And really, isn't that a picture of our response when he takes us through tragedy when he takes us through obstacles we get so frustrated what if instead we flipped the script and we started to see our hardship as going the scenic route what if we saw this covid election year as a scenic route learning to trust and worship in more rather than trying to rush our way through it think about all the different things the israelites would have missed about God's faithful provision if they had just gone straight into the promised land. Sure, they might've had a, 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 a house with a with a two-stall camel garage or whatever, but, it, but God had something more. He wanted them to see the provision, his care along the way. The same is true for us. He's more concerned again about who we're becoming rather than necessarily getting us there. Maybe if we're, our end goal aligned with his, personal transformation where might begin to see the scenic route as a positive rather than a negative. Continuing in the story, we also see something unique about our God in verse 19, chapter 13. It says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Strange little verse there. Let me give some explanation. Let's not forget that all of this was the fulfillment of a promise that God had made to Abraham about his, his, about becoming a great nation and eventually leading him to the promised land. It's interesting to see in that little verse, though, that God keeps all of his promises, not just big theme ideas, but even specific, seemingly silly promises. If you glance with me, we have it on the screen there to Genesis 50. This was the, what it's referring to. It says, And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Again, fulfilling his promises. Look at what he says then. He says, then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. I don't know if any of you have ever been on a camping trip and you're about to leave. And what's the last thing that you do? You wanna go through a mental checklist, make sure you have everything packed, everything. Now imagine if you're Moses and you're about to lead 2 million Israelites from one land place to another promised land, and you know you're going the long way, how concerned would you be about, oh, shoot, I forgot Joseph's bones? You know, like, that's literally what happens here. He's he's called to remember this, God perfectly keeping his promise, carrying this nearly 400-year-old mummy out of Egypt for as a visible demonstration that God keeps his promises. For the next 40 years, think about this, you've maybe never heard this before, for the next 40 years, he carries this this mummy of sorts, the bones, 41 different camps that they spend time in every single time loading up Joseph's bones. What does that tell you about our God? Our God is someone who keeps his promises. He he takes them seriously. If God says something is going to happen, he's going to coordinate things so that it does. This should encourage us. Every single follower of Jesus Christ, when you start exploring all the promises, that are bestowed on a a believer, all the things that are said to have coming on the horizon, man, it's an awesome reminder that he doesn't skip a thing. He covers every single detail. That's another thing that I love is that we have a relentless promise keeper in our God. Last thing I want to point to is one last section, and and Chad referred to it earlier. We're looking at the leading of the Israelites. So a little, a couple of verses later in chapter 13, they've got their, uh, they've got Joseph's bones ready to go, and then they load up. And here's what it says: and they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light and that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Love that description. I can't even imagine what that would be like 24-7, having this visual demonstration of God's leadership. He's right out in front of them. And I love that he had it in a cloud that was constantly in their view anytime they looked up, they would always see that God was out in front of them, no longer a distant presence, now a personal God that's leading and directing them. Although less dramatic today, we still have a God that wants to lead. We still have a God that wants to to guide. He wants to play the, the role of leader in our life. And it's so interesting because that goes against everything in the flesh that we have. Basically, our in our fallen human state, we want complete independence from God, where we get all the glory for successes and we cast blame for any potential failures. That's what we see in our world right now. Some a, a, a culture, a people that separated them consistent themselves consistently from our God. But God wants to bring us back under his leadership, our country so desperate for his leadership, if they just could have eyes to see it. They don't realize that he's the one that can change somebody from the inside out. It's not about behavior modification. It's about God leading and changing somebody and transforming them from inside out. But I think a lot of times people have to start by changing their perspective about God's leadership. I think a lot of times God, people see God as a, as a divine killjoy that always wants to say no to anything fun or anything that they are going to enjoy. For Father's Day, I brought this up here. For Father's Day, I might've just gone off the camera there. For fa- Father's Day, I was given this as a gift. Basically, this is uh, how my kids, I guess, see me. It's basically a no button. And anytime you press it, no, 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 no it tells a different version of no. And they thought I could save some, a thousand times no. Uh, They thought I could save some time with just having this button to push. It actually kind of made me sad to think about that. But if you think about us in our perspective of God, he's not like a lame dad, like obviously I am, that's always saying no. He's a God that desperately wants to tell us yes, if we're asking for the right things. He's a God that loves to say le- yes. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He loves to hear what our requests are and, and respond to with yes, yes, yes. I was listening to a sermon about that even this past week. Uh, so often we think of him as wanting to say no, but think about it. The, whenever we're wanting to ask For direction or leadership, but we have a decision that we're trying to make. And we're like, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. Our God is like, I want that request. I want to step in. I want to fill the gap that you can't. When you ask for forgiveness for a mistake, yes, that's the answer. When you want to be set free from addiction, the answer is yes. I'd love to say yes to that. Release from anxiety about COVID. Yes, I want to do that too. Will you help me navigate things with my spouse? Yes, we have a God who loves to say yes. We have to change our perspective on his leadership in our life and not seeing him as the no kill joy as obviously my kids do. I think they're maybe half joking, but either way, the idea is is that the more time you spend with him, the more you realize that he came that we'd have life and have it abundantly and have it to the fullest all of these things, as we explore and get to know our God a little bit better, we realize, man, there's so much I love about him. I love that he pours out his favor on his kids. I love that he's, he's available as a, as a leader. I'm so thankful that he takes the scenic route because he's more concerned about who I'm becoming than necessarily my personal goals. I love these attributes about our God. And my prayer is as we study the book of Exodus, we grow to love and appreciate these character qualities and personality traits of our God as well. Let me pray as we wrap up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this section of scripture and how personal you've become to the Israelites. The Egyptians as well, but even more so to the Israelites as they get to know you, as they get to see you as the, the promise keeper, they get to, to know you as the provider, the, the one that's concerned about who they are, the, the heart of man. God, I, I thank you for that reality that it wasn't just back then that these things are still true today. For those who are followers of you, God, you are intimately and actively involved in our lives. God, I pray that you'd give us eyes to see that, that you'd open our our, our lenses that are so clouded and so foggy because of all the chaos and the world around us, that we would institute recentering routines in our life, different patterns, different things that allow us to reconnect with you, to put you as the center and the focus of our days. We invite that even going into the week ahead. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. church. Well, thank you again for being a part of this. Uh, Hopefully you're not growing weary from studying God's word together online. Hopefully it's still an encouragement and a blessing to you. Stay strong. Keep your eyes centered on him. That's my prayer. God bless you. Thanks so much.